Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Chicago White Sox 7, the Cleveland Guardians 4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. But I'm guessing you want me to talk about something else. I'm guessing your top storyline of the game and what you want to hear from me is about the brawl in the sixth inning. The benches clearing brawl, the bullpens clearing brawl, the fight between Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez. And yeah, it is definitely the top storyline of the game. You blew up my uh, the inbox with comments about the fight. Uh, I We got to get into it. It happened on the field. We got to get into it and talk about uh, what went down and what's been going down between these two teams for a long time. If you look at the quotes, if you look at the postgame quotes, basically the Guardians and the White Sox uh, have not been getting along for a long time. Syndergaard, uh, so this is the uh, pulling quotes from Mandy Bell and Henry Palatello's article here. Uh, they said, uh, Syndergaard said to them, I could tell that these two teams don't like each other, and I don't think that's going to be resolved anytime soon. So this is not just from the Brian Rocchio incident the day before where Tim Anderson pushes his hand off the bag. Uh, this, these, these teams don't like each other. It's just that simple. Uh, Francona said, uh, Anderson and Arias were chirping the, or Anderson was chirping at Arias the entire time. Even the umpire told him to knock it off. Uh, and then it boils over when Jose Ramirez slides into second in the sixth inning. Now we're going to get into the sixth inning cause it's a good rally. Uh, frankly, the person, uh, who got hammered the most was Oscar Colas out on right field. I seriously, like every, wait till you see the, the breakdown. If you don't remember it in that inning, everything goes to right field. Um, the Ramirez slides in hard to second. Um, you know, uh, Anderson's kind of standing over him, gave him a hard tag. Uh, they start chirping. Ramirez tells him to respect the game, and Anderson throws his hands up for a fight. Uh, Ramirez responds. Uh, <laughs> I can't, you know, usually in a boxing match, uh, the height is usually an advantage for the boxer, but. I think in this situation, uh, Ramirez being shorter than Anderson actually worked his advantage. He's able to kind of bob and weave underneath a few uh, throws from Anderson and then come up and kind of hit him with an uppercut on the chin and uh, drop him on his rear end. So it was, it was a, let's be honest, let's be honest. When you see baseball players fight, it, it, real fights aren't smooth. Real fights aren't, it's not like Indiana Jones having a punch up uh, you know, in one of his movies, right? That's not, I don't know why I thought of that. Cause maybe cause Indiana Jones has a new movie out, but just it's, for some okay. For some reason, Indiana Jones fights kind of feel more realistic than other movie fights. Like it's, it's, it's not well coordinated. It is a little sloppy. So that's why I thought of it. Uh, cause that's what baseball fights are. They're sloppy, right? These people aren't, trained fighters so yeah he kind of flails wildly and lands one on Anderson's jaw uh so I I think we can all agree Ramirez won the fight uh but he has to then you know then they're separated then they're pulled away and then it just turns into a you know a brouhaha a a scuffle just everybody screaming at each other guys charging at each other and being pulled away managers being pulled away 
Uh, Classe being pulled away. Anderson being pulled off the field twice by Vaughn, who, I mean, had him in a vice grip around the waist. Uh, so, yeah. So, it gets ugly. Uh, Ramirez's comments after the game, he said, I think Anderson has been disrespecting the game for a while. It's not from yesterday. It's from before. I even had the chance to tell him during the game, don't do this stuff. That's disrespectful. Don't start tagging people like that. Because in reality, we're here trying to find ways to provide for our families. And Ramirez apparently has never been thrown out of a game before. He said that like, even if he has a problem with an umpire, he takes it down in the dugout because he respects the game. He just wants to play the game. So he's not going to get himself thrown out of a game. So yeah, so this... This has been boiling over for a while. Uh, I do love uh, the interpreter for Cleveland, who's also, I believe, one of our strength coaches, uh, Augustine Rivero. Uh, He was by Jose's side the entire thing. Like, even after the scuffle, he was standing out there at second base with him. Like, uh, that dude rolls with with some of our uh, Spanish-speaking teammates. Like, he, he, (laughs) he had his back out there uh yeah he's definitely a dude I, I wouldn't want to mess with he's a big dude out there um so yeah uh, the way the team stood up for Jose Ramirez the way Jose Ramirez stood up for the younger players because obviously Arias was taking a brunt of uh, the chirping from Tim Anderson the, there's a reason the entire crowd was chanting Jose 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 for 15 minutes straight people have posted videos of you know it going on in the ballpark on Guardians Twitter. And this city, I mean, is is Jose Ramirez the hero that this city needs? Like, he has to be on the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland figures. He's He's got to be on it, right? Just this city loves and respects that guy so much. Um, he gets a huge, huge ovation uh, when he finally has to leave the field, when they finally announce his ejection. Uh, gets a huge, huge ovation from the crowd. The fights aren't great, but uh, it ha- I guess it had to happen, right? Sometimes, I, I don't want to like give this lesson because I know some kids uh, listen to the show with their parents. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to say, if you, if you don't want your kids to hear this, then, then maybe turn it off. But in my opinion, sometimes fights have to happen. Like Sometimes things just can't be settled. And, uh, sometimes, sometimes you got, I, listen, I'm a kid who's got sent to the principal's office a couple times in his life. And, uh, sometimes, yeah, when people are disrespecting your friends, when people are disrespecting your family, sometimes someone's got to stand up for them. And, uh, sometimes it can't be talked out. I, I hate to say that. I hate to say that. You should always try to talk it out. Kids, if you're listening still. You should always try to figure out a way to work it out. But, uh, man, sometimes these things do come up in life. And, uh, okay. So that's the fight. Uh, We'll see what happens as far as suspensions go. It probably won't come down as far as tomorrow. But So both those guys will probably be in there tomorrow. Will Klasse get the pitch? Someone getting doinked, you know, in their first at-bat? We'll see what goes down today at noon. I I would not be shocked if both Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez have to sit out a game or two. Uh, you just when you throw the other thing is if you do let it escalate to that point, 
right? If you do throw punches, you have to be responsible for what happens. Uh, you know, when I got in trouble, I got sent to the principal's office. I sat through a two-day suspension from school. Uh, you know, they're going to have to do the same thing. Uh, they're probably both going to get suspended a few days. And that's okay. You know, had I guess it I guess it had to happen. I, I guess if Tim Anderson's going to run his mouth like that, uh, eventually this was going to happen. So, all right. Let's go to your thoughts on this thing because uh, I... I I'm just going to go in order here. Some of your reactions. Who got their emails in first? And like, boom, the fight happens and the emails are just flying in. Uh, Tony, uh, always short and sweet with his emails. I just, I like this. Not even has to do with the fight. He said, Jose Tania born on second base. That's right. Because Ramirez gets ejected, Jose Tania gets to go into the game and pinch run for him and uh, take over shortstop. And uh, so, yeah, Jose Tania was born on second base. His major league career starts on second base. Thank you, Tony. Uh, Jeff, uh, with a G, uh, just sent me the... uh, He screenshotted all the ejections from his game day uh, from the MLB app. Uh, He couldn't even fit them all on the screen. There were other ejections that happened there that he he couldn't even fit them all in the screenshot. And then uh, followed up by saying... We don't re- we don't deserve Jose Ramirez. Jose gets it. I've been on vacation, so owe some emails, but I had to send this in just now. Uh, Jose Ramirez is my lord and savior. Uh, and then uh, followed up with, I always liked Anderson. Thought he was a good ball player, but Jose had to stick up for Rocchio and send a message about that horrible call last night. Not sure if there is a history with J-Ram and Anderson. There is, Jeff. They They clearly made it obvious that there is not just between Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson between the Guardians and Anderson and the White Sox as a whole but Jose Ramirez is the leader of that team and he was sticking up for his guy I wish Josh Naylor was playing darn I could you imagine if Naylor was on the field I I I mean Naylor eventually is on the field he's the one holding people back uh so yeah so thank you Jeff for checking in uh hey it's okay we all take vacations so uh, you're allowed to miss a few weeks emailing. Uh, Megan checked in. Megan in Powell uh, checked in. She said, uh, Hi, Davey. I feel bad for Thor as he struggles to find his way again. I can definitely see the remnants of a great pitcher, and I don't feel all is lost with him yet. Yes, we will definitely get to Thor's pitching. She said, Love the crowd support throughout the game in Cleveland as they held all the drama together. And the SpongeBob SquarePants song after the massive brawl. What a night. That's right. I mean, uh, Oscar Gonzalez comes up next. So the first thing you hear piping through the stadium after this is all done is the SpongeBob SquarePants song. And Jose Tania has quite the memorable story for his Major League debut. Yes, he does. I'm still trying to figure out who Cole Calhoun is exactly. In fact, she didn't even know Cole. She said Kyle Calhoun. Uh, That's how little known he is to her. Uh, and where he appeared from, LOL. Yeah, he. I mean, if you if you didn't get like the update from Mandy Bell, he does just appear, right, Megan? You're absolutely right. I know he's older and been around Triple A circuit, but just feeling like so many unusual things going on tonight. Love your show and glad you're back and all is well, Megan in Powell. Megan, just just to catch you up on Cole Calhoun for a second, he played a long time uh, for the Angels. Uh, so you may remember him, uh, 
uh, I guess from earlier in the 20 teens. Let's see, when did he start? Uh, 2012, he made his major league debut for the Angels and played with them until 2019. So he had been around a long time. Uh, he's had a couple of, uh, he had 130 home run season, a couple of tw- uh, 120 home run season. Yeah, he's uh, he he was kind of a power hitting right fielder for the Angels for a long time, uh, and then went over to Arizona in the pandemic season, played two seasons out there, um, before finally bouncing around Texas a little bit last year, uh, bouncing around the minor leagues. So he's a veteran that's just kind of hanging on. Decided to play some AAA ball. And hoping that he would get another opportunity. So very much in the vein of Jason Giambi, of uh, Mike Napoli, you know, someone, a, a guy who had some power early in his career and uh, now uh, finds his way over to Cleveland, um, maybe to offer a little veteran support. Uh, you could tell he he's a big dude. He's got mighty, like, huge forearms. Uh he can hit the ball pretty hard. Uh, last year, his percentile rankings from last year, uh, he, he he didn't have a great year for Texas. He batted 196, uh, but still hit a couple of home runs for him, 12 home runs. Uh, but his hard hit percentage was in the 89th percentile still. His average exit velocity was in the 82nd percentile still. So even though he had a terrible season last year, he still hit the ball hard and mostly to right field. He's mostly a pull hitter, and that's that's what he does in this one. He gets a RBI hit by lining one into right field pretty hard. So that's who Cole Calhoun is, a, a longtime Angels veteran who decided to stick around AAA, waiting, basically waiting for an opportunity like this. Um, and we traded with the Dodgers. We get, sent him cash, and you could still trade minor league players, so that's how he ended up coming over here. They did, they decided that this veteran was a better option than calling up another rookie, maybe a Joanski Noel, who still is working on some things at AAA. So that's where Cole Calhoun comes from. So thank you, Megan, for the email. Thank you for checking in. Uh, Marlon also got in on this. Um, he, uh, let's see here. What was Marlon's thoughts on this? He gave me kind of a rundown. Uh, this is one of the craziest baseball fights I've seen in a long time. Anderson trying to go back on the field after he was escorted into the tunnel area. Even Sarbach got into a heated exchange. Yeah, he looked pissed. Moving forward, I'm curious to see whether or not J-Ram, Classe, or Tito will be suspended in the length of the suspension. I'm fairly certain J-Ram will miss a few games for punching Anderson. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, that was his thoughts. Um, he said, uh, J-Ram is an established vet who's been in the majors for eight full seasons. And I've never seen him as angry as he was tonight. Uh, in fact, I've never seen Jose Ramirez in a fight before. Yeah. Uh, so, Marlon, thank you for that. He also pointed out, and they pointed this out on the broadcast too, that this was like the 30th anniversary of Robin Ventura from the White Sox getting into a fight with Nolan Ryan, which is regarded as one of the more brutal fights in baseball history. All right. We have talked way too long about this fight. We, I, I wanted to get to your emails, but we have talked way too long about this thing. There was an actual baseball game played, so let's spend maybe the next 10 minutes Talking actual baseball. And the top storyline of the game is Noah Syndergaard kind of got blown up for four home runs before the Guardians started to fight back. Not only did he get up blown up for four home runs, but ready for the stat line, six innings pitch. So he did do the one job he was supposed to do. 
and I saw a lot of this on Guardian's Twitter. He's here to eat innings, right? Noah Syndergaard is here to be a veteran, to pitch some innings, and kind of get us through to the end of the season. Let's be honest. And he does that. He goes six innings, which he he hangs in there, gives up nine hits, five earned runs, all via home run on four home runs, no walks, three. He gets a few strikeouts finally, three strikeouts. But he's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. They were not only the home runs; they were just hitting him hard all night. And he, you know, he's able to get out of some jams, which is actually respectable. I mean, the first inning, the fact that he get out of the first inning, so it starts with a Tim Anderson double, Ben Attendee singles, uh, Luis Robert is hit by a pitch. Uh, what could have been a pivotal moment in the game is Aloy Jimenez flies out to Quan in left field. Quan comes up, makes a strong throw, uh, clearly aiming for his cutoff man, not the plate. And Tim Anderson doesn't go. He doesn't tag. And, and at the time, it seemed like it might be a pivotal moment until they start unloading home runs. And then it kind of makes everything the, the White Sox do uh, up until that point kind of moot because... They unload with those home runs, and they they rack up a lead with those home runs. So uh, he doesn't tag up here, and then Andrew Vaughn grounds into a double play to end things, to get out of the inning. So he loads the bases. The first three batters loads the bases and is able to get out of it without giving up a run. So uh, that is huge stuff right there from... uh, from Noah Syndergaard. Like, the, the fact that he gets out of that is big. Um, trying to think if there's any other jams he got out of, really. No, other than that, then the home runs kind of start. Uh, he does give up a couple of two-out hits. Uh, but then the home runs really start to punish him uh, throughout this game. So let's get into it. Let's get into the home runs. Uh, let's jump over to the illustrator here. And every home run he get, Well, I should say every... Three out of the four home runs. So the first home run is actually the outlier. It was on a 3-2 count to Luis Robert in the third inning with two outs, and he just hangs a changeup, and Robert absolutely makes him pay. Absolutely destroys this thing at 107.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity. Would it, 31 degree launch angle would have been a home run in 30 out of 30 ballparks. The other three all come on the first pitch. Uh, who hit theirs first? I believe Vaughn hits his first in the fourth inning on an 0-0 count to lead off the inning. First pitch of the inning. And it's a curveball that is at the knees. But, you know, Syndergaard, when you look at his pitches overall, he was just in the strike zone all night. The curveball was in the strike zone. The changeup was in the strike zone. The slider was up. He wasn't getting anything down. He wasn't getting any of those breaking balls down below the knees. He threw a ton of curveballs in the strike zone, which at times can be good, but it also means that they're going to get aggressive. And clearly, clearly the White Sox saw something in Syndergaard. They saw two things in Noah Syndergaard. Number one, they saw that they could steal bases on him all night. I mean, they didn't even hesitate. They don't hesitate for one second. They're off and running on him as soon as they get on base. Uh, it's it's actually kind of ridiculous. Um, Anderson has two. St- oh, Andrews, Elvis Andrews has two stolen bases. Robert has two stolen bases off of him, and I mean they just go. Uh, 
yeah. Uh, seal second, seal third, boom, boom. Uh, so that, and then they also were aggressive against him. And aggressive against his off-speed stuff because he was in the zone. And they, they must have clearly read that, look, if these guys going to just keep leaving us off-speed stuff in the zone, we have to go up there and start hacking. And uh, so on an OO count, Andrew Vaughn hits this curveball out 102 miles per hour, 24-degree launch angle. Uh, and then uh, it's a changeup to Oscar Colas. OO count, first pitch. Uh, it's a changeup uh, that's at the thighs. And then Elvis Andrews hits his, again, sixth inning. Uh, there's two outs. There's a runner on this time. It's the first pitch of the at-bat, and he takes a slider and turns on it. Uh, and hits it only at 99.4 miles per hour, 33-degree launch angle. So, uh, yeah, uh, clearly there's something up there when three home runs happen on the first pitch of the at-bat. And most of these were, no doubt about it, home runs. Uh, Andrews was, uh, let's see here, 29 out of 30 ballparks. He hit it 390. Uh Colas just got his out. His was hit at 102, 20-degree launch angle, so quite the line shot. 392, only 6 out of 30 ballparks. Andrew Vaughn's was 29 out of 30 ballparks. So, yeah, once once a team does that, once a team hits four home runs. Now, normally I would say, right, especially the first one, when Luis Robert hit his, I was saying to myself, we can live with solo home runs, right? We We can survive that. We can survive solo home runs. It wasn't until they hit a crooked number home run. Honestly, the three solo home runs, in theory, the Guardians offense should be able to come back against that. It was so not walking people, not putting an extra person on base definitely paid his dividends up until a point. But I'm sorry, you just you can't give up four home runs. Once it was a, a two run home run, you saw kind of how how big of a mountain that was to overcome. Even though we do respond that inning. That's finally the inning. We finally get a hit off Kopak. And uh, finally get something going. Uh, but yeah, I just, there's not many days where you're going to give up four home runs and come back and actually win the game. So it is a struggle of a day for Noah Syndergaard. Um, the average exit velocity, I mean, the average exit velocity of him was 88.1. Uh, so he didn't at least average a hard hit ball. Um, didn't get a ton of swing and miss. It's an 18% whiff rate. Uh, but they were hacking 45 swings on 83 pitches. They only followed off 14. They put 23 in play. They were up there hacking. It's a 23% CSW total for Syndergaard, who threw the curveball more than the fastball, actually. Um, the fastball velocity was okay, hanging around 92.6. Uh, he averaged, maxed out at 94.1. So he, he, he had some life in his arm, but went to the curveball a ton, threw it 24 times, only 20 fastballs, and then 13 changeups. And then a few other of the sinker, slider, cutter. Uh, really using a ton of pitches. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, the bullpen wouldn't do fair much better behind them. Eli Morgan in an inning and a third would sacrifice a run. And Michael Kelly in an inning and two-thirds would sacrifice a run as well. Those would both come in the eighth inning. So, we couldn't win an inning. They score two in the sixth. We score two in the sixth. They add two more in the eighth. We respond in the eighth with two runs. But we couldn't win an inning, and we couldn't really catch up to those early home runs. Uh, so let's get into things offensively, because for the first uh, five innings, uh, Kopech is throwing a no-hitter. Uh, but if things finally fall apart for him, 
in the sixth inning. He's run from the game in the sixth inning. He only gives up four hard-hit balls on the day. Uh, Last five and a third, only gives up three hits, two earned runs, four walks. So we should have made him pay earlier. Three strikeouts on 97 pitches. Um, So let's get into this rally in the sixth inning because it is a good Guardians rally. And I told you, it's all about Oscar Colas on right field. Even Quan to start the inning, lines out to right field, to Oscar Colas in right field, turns on the fourth pitch of the at-bat, uh, down in the count one and two, uh, turns on a uh, inside fastball. Uh, unfortunately, it goes for a lineout. What I'll say about the Guardians' offense, there's no stats to back this up. It just felt like they hit a ton of atom balls. Balls right at a defender. There was one, I know, I think it was Brennan made a great swing to left field, and it was just right at their left fielder. Uh, There was a couple shots to first base that was just right at him. Uh, So it just, there's no stats to back that up. It's just, that's my, that was my, like, sight test of the game, right? That was just, from my memory of this game, it just felt like every time I was looking at the screen, a Guardians player was hitting a ball hard somewhere, or decent, hitting a ball decent, Right at a White Sox defender. So Quan lines out here and then brings up Andres Jimenez. He works a six-pitch pitch at bat, eventually gets a nice high slider, kind of a hanging slider middle of the plate, and he turns on this thing. He drives it for a double out to right field to Oscar Colas. Um, so he's standing on second base. Doesn't hit it hard, only 86.5, but, you know, a good a good solid stroke on the swing there. Jose Ramirez also works a six-pitch at bat, also gets an off-speed pitch from Kopik, finally sitting middle of the plate. He gets a changeup, and he drives it out to Colas in right field. He hits it at 100.2 miles per hour, and this is the slide into second base. So Menes scores the first run of the game, back-to-back doubles by the Guardians, and then the thing happens. Then the fight happens. Okay, we already talked about that. <laughs> they get back on the field. Jose Tania is pinch running. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez... Uh, is up next, and uh, Kopech, they leave him in the game for some reason. Like, I mean, we heard Manning say about 100 times during the fight, well, Kopech's clearly not going to pitch anymore, right? No, they leave him in there to face Gonzalez. After a first-pitch slider, he fouls off. He lays off a fastball away, gets another fastball on the outside edge, but it's up, and when pitches are up like this, you can drive them. You can drive them out to right field, and Oscar Gonzalez does it. Man, that makes me happy. Hits it 106.5 miles per hour uh, into right field to Oscar Colas. So if you're keeping score here, I believe that's four in a row to Oscar Colas. Uh, Jose Tania moves up to third. It was 106.5. It was quite the shot there to Colas. So Tanya moves up to third, and that brings up Cole Calhoun with runners on the corner for his first Guardians hit. Uh, Brian Shaw comes in to pitch at this point. After going up, uh, he's up 0-2 in the count, Shaw is. Uh, he throws him a cutter middle of the plate, and that's kind of the problem with Brian Shaw for the last few years. Uh, doesn't really know where those pitches are going. The accuracy, not quite there. He's just kind of up there hurling, and he throws him a cutter middle of the plate, and he turns on it, 97.2 mile per hour single to Oscar Colas in right field. That's five in a row. Tanya comes in to score. Uh, Colas is really lucky here because the ball kind of one-hops him, and it looks like it might skip past him, but it hits his chest, and he keeps it in front of him. Uh, you know, it's 
it's kind of a good lesson for for anyone out there watching, for those kids watching. You have to keep the ball in front of you. And sometimes you got to use parts of your body you weren't planning on using to keep that ball in front of you. And uh, Colas does it. He saves another run from scoring here. Gonzalez really wanted to go. Uh, Calhoun really wanted to go to second uh, after a bad throw gets away uh, from first base. Uh, but nobody can advance. They stay where they're at. They play it safe. Uh, so that's five in a row to Colas. Before Brian Rokia, this is disappointing, rolls over a first pitch cutter that's outside off the plate, and he rolls over it and grounds it to second base. So uh, an ill-advised swing there from Rokio, especially trying to pull that thing to second base, and they turn the double play on him to get out of the inning. So it's a good rally from your Guardians, but unfortunately... Uh, you know, they can't, uh, they can't get it done there. Uh, they would get a two out rally going, uh, in the eighth inning here. Sorry. I hesitate for a moment because I look at the, uh, at the scoreboard and I had to remember that yes, Brian Rocchio struck out, but it was a dropped third strike that kept the inning alive and allowed Will Brennan to come up and deliver a two run RBI single. So there are huge gaps in this game. Like when you look at the scoreboard, where uh, nobody's actually putting the ball in play, and a lot of things are happening. Uh, in the fifth inning, Rokio strikes out. There's a walk to Brennan, a walk to Bo Naylor, before Gabriel Arias finally strikes out. Um, I think Brennan was caught stealing in this as well, so that was the second out of the inning. So it's a huge gap in the in the uh, scoreboard because there's no balls put in play. There's no exit velocities. There's no nothing, right? So... Uh, it happens a couple times in this game where there's just huge gaps in the illustrator. And, uh, you know, there's a seventh inning. Uh, they strike us out uh, the last two hitters of the inning, and then we walk in a strikeout to start the eighth. So, again, huge gap in the illustrator on the scoreboard. And it happens again here. So, you got the walk, the hip. So, there's two outs. He strikes out Jimenez to start the inning. Uh, Oscar, this is a Bummer who's come in to pitch for uh, the White Sox. Uh, he stays in there for a long time. He pitches two full innings here to end the game. Uh, so it starts by striking out Andres Jimenez. Uh, fly out from Jose Tena. He tries to go opposite field. That's what they said the scouting report was on him. Uh, the broadcast, our broadcast said uh, Tena is known for being a guy who can shoot the ball the other way, and he clearly tries to do it in this game. Uh, but he flies out. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez draws the walk. Cole Calhoun is hit by the pitch. Brian Rocchio survives on a dropped third strike that gets away. And the other thing is the White Sox just played a really sloppy game. An absolutely sloppy game. Who reached by error? Someone on our team. Oh, yeah. Andres Jimenez reached by error uh, to start the game. He lines one to Benatendi that just hits his glove and falls to the ground. Just pops out of the glove. Somehow Benatendi just biffs the play. And uh, reaches on a fielding error there in the first inning. Um, there was another one that like just bounced away from Luis Robert that his glove and bounced away at some point in this game. Uh, so yeah, so they just they play sloppy baseball. The White Sox do. You could see why they're a bad team, right? You could see the effort they make, uh, the sloppy defense. They're just a bad team. Uh, so they let Rokio on here by dropping a third strike, and it brings up Will Brennan. Uh, here in the eighth inning, and he comes up with his big hit of the game, his big two RBI uh, hit of the game. So uh, going to this matchup here, 
is a first pitch, a first pitch sweeper from uh, Bummer. It's on the outside, and he shoots that line drive into center field. Oscar Gonzalez scores. Cole Calhoun scores. Rokio goes to third. This is the one that uh, Luis Robert that hits off his glove. Uh, it is the one that kind of ricochets off his glove and let Rokio get to third. Uh, Brennan, unfortunately, can't move up. So a nice, you know, I, I get to, it was it was left of center. We'll say it was left of center. It was a good job riding this thing up the middle, staying back on it on this outside sweeper from Will Brennan. It's a good swing there from Will Brennan. Uh, unfortunately, Bo Naylor would fly out to center field to end the threat, though, with runners on the corner. So the stadium was rocking. They just could not. Uh, get another run in. Quan would single in the ninth inning, but that'd be it. Uh, Andres Jimenez would hit into a force out, but he'd keep the game alive. And Jose Tania would come up, and he would fly out. I believe this was also to left field uh, to end the game. Uh, you know, uh, more uh, Marlin in his email asked uh, why we didn't pinch hit for Jose Tania there in the ninth with Fry. Uh, and you know what? I'm actually okay with this one, Marlin. I'm okay with Jose Tania batting here. The guy just got called up. Uh, Give him a chance. Give him a chance. It's his first major league game that he's been in. And you're going to pinch hit for him in the ninth inning? I actually think that would be disrespectful, Marlon. I think a rookie, you got to give him a chance to play. Give him an opportunity to shine. Uh, he uh, It's a three-pitch at bat. He... Uh, Takes a four-seam fastball for a called strike of the knees. Takes another one on the outside edge. It's a, called a ball, so a 1-1 one, one count. And then gets that outside sweeper and tries to ride it into left field, uh, but just gets under it and pops it up uh, to Ben Attendee out there and left. So, nah, I, in my, if I'm the manager, I am letting Jose Tanya bat. I'm not taking the bat out of the hand of a young guy like that. If, if this were a playoff, you know, if this were like, a playoff game or something like that, or that we're going down the stretch of the playoffs, maybe. Uh, if we're trying to secure a playoff spot, maybe. Um, but if the game were a little closer, if it was a one-run game, maybe. But it was still a three-run game at that point. So I'm fine with Tanya batting there in the ninth. All right. Uh, so that's it. That's your offense on this game. It took a while to get going. They finally show some signs of life. Uh, it was a good rally in both the 6th and the 8th. It was an unconventional rally in the 8th. It was a good rally in the 6th. Uh, but unfortunately, those home runs were too much to overcome. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Thank you for the emails. I took Jose Ramirez landing a right hook on uh, Tim Anderson for you to finally start filling up that inbox. But uh, Jose Ramirez clearly clearly got this whole city fired up, this whole team fired up. And uh I can I can I give him MVP on the day for getting into a fight? I I don't think I can do it. I I don't I don't think that sends the right message if I give Jose Ramirez MVP on the day for a punch he threw. So, look, like I said, sometimes these things have to happen, but you should try to stop them from happening as much as possible. So MVP on the day, I'm going to go with Will Brennan. Uh, he's two for three on the day. He does have the big two RBI hit um, late in the game. He also walks, so he's on base three times. So I'm going to go with Will Brennan for MVP on the day, okay? Um, all right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field is disappointing, and Marlon points out we have lost the season series now. 
to the White Sox. It's uh, even if we win Sunday today's game, we've lost the season series to the White Sox. A reason we are not higher up in the standings, and you know, have a better record because we couldn't handle the White Sox this year. Uh, the final, the White Sox seven, the Guardians four. You can follow me on Twitter. We got an early game today. It's a twelve o'clock start. We haven't had many of those this season. It's Schultens, uh, a right-handed pitcher for the White Sox, going up against Xavier Curry, who this will probably be a bullpen game, I would assume. I would assume Curry's going to try to give him three to four innings, and then someone's going to piggyback off of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know who in the bullpen. Is uh, Norris still in the bullpen? He is. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Norris piggyback off of Curry here, depending on how deep Curry can go in the game here. So uh, we'll look forward to some day baseball here. A quick turnaround for those of you listening this morning. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. See how much fun the show is when you're getting those emails in. Let me know your thoughts on the game. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.